0: a youth minister, my summer demands many miles traveled, many pieces of pizza consumed, and many hours of sleep totally lost. All in the sacred practices of camp and a mission trip and laser blaze and pool parties. And it can look like all fun and games. Hanging out with our youth, the ones who are texting in the back while I preach. <clears throat> getting paid to take youth to learn group dances and come up with inside jokes and decorate our Facebook pages full of photos. But this summer was one where it reminded me and us of the crucial task that it is to love and support young people as they grow up in a complicated world. For our summer also held accidents that came too close, the loss of friends and loved ones, illnesses that came by surprise, confessions of depression and thoughts of suicide, pain over a relative's addiction, heartaches that threaten one's sense of pride and identity, and the impact adults leave on young people's lives from cycles of physical and emotional abuse. And at times, it can just feel like the world came into my youth group A foreign intruder that was uninvited and unwelcome. And yet, these are the issues in my beloved community. And so, while at camp, when other adults would see some of the behavioral issues that we dealt with, I would get some kind of I'm sorry's. Well, I wasn't sorry. That's the community that we love. And being called to love all people means facing lots of issues, so bring it on. But little did I know that a few weeks later, the... "'Stress of life would hit way too close to home "'in the form of a senseless and sudden violent assault "'against one of our own youth on a late summer night. "'And I became aware of how ignorant and naive I had been. "'For the outside world is not some foreign place, some intruder, "'but rather it is where our young people live. "'It is where we live and move and have our being.' So we spend our time here in these walls, in this building, talking about love and forgiveness and sharing and grace, but how do we prepare ourselves to live out our faith in the real world, where other people are taught that forgiveness is for the weak and love is to be earned, what you want, you take at no matter the cost. So as the church, it begs the question, what does it look like to form people in God's transforming love in a world whose daily bread is love of self above all others? Can our beliefs hold their weight in the real world? To further complicate our summer... We went to Miami um, a few days after all this happened. Um, Fifteen high school youth and four adults, we went to Overtown, which is a neighborhood in the midst of downtown Miami, to help lead a week of camp with 85 kids at a place called Touching Miami with Love. After we had been commissioned the Sunday before, Jim England came to me and thanked me for taking our youth to dangerous places. It was an ironic compliment and one that I thought of as camp started and within hours I saw one of the TML kids hit Nick, one of my ninth graders. And then a few hours later I watched another child threaten to beat up Matthew later that afternoon. And I stood there and I thought, okay, other than the world coming into my doors, I took them into the world. I have taken this group of privilege to experience a reality that is common in many places, and not just in Miami, but in our own city. But an experience that, away from Louisville, they could see with new eyes outside of their comfort zone. And the kids at TML were rough and gritty and difficult. Those first days, I watched children ages 5 to 15 punch each other, Words shouted like weapons back and forth and back and forth, threats thrown around with ease, inappropriate vulgar language coming out of the mouths of young children. Stopping fights almost every hour, children unable to play a simple relay game because of how quickly it turned to chaos, and being warned of heroin activity right outside our building by the mural that states, Love away from the chaos dinner on that first evening was a bit quieter than usual. Perhaps it had been a long day, or perhaps it was simply the disorientation from those used to privilege being placed in many people's reality, a dog-eat-dog world where an eye for an eye is making the entire community blind. And then a few days later on Wednesday, things began to change all through the invitation to ride around in a 15-passenger around Overtown a few blocks with Angel Pittman, who is our cooperative Baptist field personnel, who she and her husband run TML in the midst of Overtown. And she told us stories, and she described to us. And with the faces of Jamari and Nigeria and Trinity and Daniel and countless other children that we knew and loved, our hearts melted as we saw with new eyes— Countless subsidized housing projects and dilapidated concrete apartments, which they call home. Crammed full of people because of not a lot of money. No air conditioning in the Miami heat. Few resources to wash clothing and buildings long neglected by those who operate them. Streetlights blinking yellow to decrease the number of carjackings. Crime rates from drug dealing and gang violence and domestic abuse. A neighborhood destroyed by highways so that people could get to the nice parts of downtown Miami, to South Beach. Meanwhile, in Overtown, underneath the highways, a community of homeless scraping by to live. Decades of fraud charges against every single government official that represents that community. And a high school rate that has been failing ever since they started uh, creating standards, with a 40% graduation rate many dropping out their freshman and sophomore year. Seventy percent of the TML kids having had parents incarcerated at some point, many of whom saw the crime happen. And no grocery store, but rather an abundance of corner stores on every single block, where children live off of a diet of chips and soda, all of which is only accessible walking past the drug dealers who guard and protect the corner store. So we met that night and tried to find our sense of gravity again, debrief what we had seen now that we knew these kids. What was there to say? As a minister, I asked the obligatory question well, what would Jesus call us to do in this situation? Blank stares, no answers. For the Jesus that is too often painted by Christians is one who would feel as unfamiliar and uncomfortable as we were on that first day. A neighborhood too tough for Jesus, who prefers holding lambs and looking peaceful. Because Jesus is supposed to be nice, right? Church is about being nice. Research on youth and religion paints a picture of your average American teenager's understanding of faith as this God exists. Which is good. God wants us to be good and nice and fair. The goal of life is to be happy. And God's not really involved unless you need something to be happy. And if you do good things, then you will go to heaven. Well, it sounds nice, and it was passed on to them by adults. But it's a God who wouldn't be found in Overtown. Who doesn't deal with assault or depression or thoughts of suicide. So when I came home and I read our gospel text from John, I couldn't help but feel as if Jesus as bread were as applicable to the real world as this image of a God who just wants us to be happy. Jesus is the bread, so don't worry about poverty, because if you believe, you won't be hungry anymore. God wants us to get to heaven, so ultimately, who cares about the present reality? Well, we care. And a little small voice couldn't leave my ear. Is this all? Are we missing something? Because when life gets rough and the complications of reality are overwhelming, when the struggle to find hope in the real world is impossible, a God who is just nice isn't getting us anywhere. And passing down a simplistic theology of God that leaves God out of touch with the real world means that we are raising up generations unable to hear how the call to follow has anything to do with our real lives. God is left sitting like an object in our room rather than a presence or a force. We put Jesus up in a stained glass window like a prized model car or a collector's Barbie to be marveled at. He becomes a relic, something to be admired, a signed baseball never to be played with lest it get lost in a scary neighbor's backyard. As Almida Wright described, if Christianity's biggest theological statement is playing nice in the sandbox, then we've got a problem. When we ascribe to the popular faith, the faith focused on me and my salvation, then we are the people grumbling in the desert for more food or the crowds looking to Jesus for me for more, as if Jesus were some slot machine where if you do good things and ask for it, then you'll get it right back, rather than wrestling with a God who voluntarily enters into the darkest places in embodied human flesh and then asks us to do the same. Yes, God can and will continue to provide food in the desert as God did with our ancestors for those who are dying of hunger. When we feel as if we can't take a step further, we receive the bread in the desert that helps us keep one foot in front of the other. But let us not miss out on the more that God is inviting to us in Christ. The body of Christ, the bread of life, is more than simply receiving for ourselves. It is the meal of invitation for those who are called to follow, called to take part in this life of embodied love. It is food for transformation, the unique calling to participate and follow, to go and to do likewise. To not just eat, but to let it nourish us, and shape us to be imitators of Christ. Jesus offers us the invitation not just to settle for sustenance when we need it, but for satisfaction in real life. The invitation not just to come to church occasionally, but to be the church all the time. The invitation not just to admire Jesus from afar, but to strive to become like Jesus, that Jesus lived in the real world too, the invitation not just to hear of poverty far away, but to know that it's here. And just as TML is offered, called to offer the bread of life, we too are invited to take and to eat and to share at Friday Church in Morocco and less than a mile down the road this Wednesday, tangibly at our picnic in Shelby Park. It is the invitation not just to get by, but to truly live. A few, it felt like a few hours. The next day we gathered after we got back from Miami. It was a Sunday, so we were in Bible study up here in the youth room. And we started trying to put words to name our experience. And we used words like, As our youth heard those words, struggle, intense, exhausting. The youth who didn't go kind of got this glaze over their eyes. Like, who would sign up for that? That is not fun. One voice said, That's a lot of negative words. (laughs) Yeah. But as one of our participants responded, This week I saw and I heard. In life, we're alive, but this week I lived. The life that Jesus invites us to live will not land us celebrated in magazine or understood by our peers. And yet, when our ears are tuned into a world crying out, may we look around and see Jesus yelling above the crowd, do not miss the point, I am the bread of life. A life that is unending and abundant, more than you could expect. A life that matters. Your life matters. Your life in me and through me and with me can matter. And when we know this and live into it, then the living begins Then the adventure becomes real, a life to live with purpose and meaning, connected to the ultimate source of all satisfaction, which is God, our creator and our sustainer. So as our summer winds down and we get back into our routines, God is inviting us to take Jesus off the shelf and see what he's made of. And in turn, to live out the miracle that is God's love embodied in our real lives out in the real world. Should today be a day where you want to accept that invitation to a God who's calling you to a life that matters in Christ. Or to join this community as we seek to walk together being people of God in the real world. It's our tradition that as we sing you can come forward to share. Now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish far more than all we could ask or imagine. To God may we give our worship, our praise, and our very lives. Amen.